As we uh, come to today, I've called this the advent of peace. And we're looking at the advent of Christ, aren't we? So really, when we're looking at the advent of peace, we are really looking at the advent of Christ. You know, over the last couple of months, um, our media has been full of wars and rumours of wars and things that have been, uh, we've just been confronted in day by day. And um, it seems that some areas of the world get a lot of attention. Uh, we especially see that with uh, Israel at the moment, with Gaza, and even maybe on the northern part with Lebanon and Hezbollah. But Hamas, it's, it's just flooding our news media, isn't it? But there are lots of other places in the world also that have very little mention. And unless you read certain sort of uh, news lines or news feeds, you don't hear too much about them. But we hear about the ethnic cleansing in Armenia. We uh, hear about the problems in Myanmar, we, the persecutions of Christians, the Karen people, the Kachin people. All over the world, we have this whole sense of wars or rumours of wars or struggle, uh, troubles and strife. All this is going on. Uh, Africa, Asia, wherever you want to look. It just seems to be the nature of things. But in our own backyard, we also have things that confuse us and we struggle with. We have uh, things like uh, a lot of social discord. We have broken marriages. We have increasing cyber insecurity. These also fill our news media. Um, We um, see scams that are defrauding people of their money. And if we just concentrate on all of that, we can get quite depressed. We can get quite heavy. Why can't we have good news stories? Why can't there be, like, instead of the news being ten bad stories and at the end they give you a little bit so at the end of the news you feel really good and excited, Um, some really nice little story of a dog getting rescued from a drain or something like that. Why can't we have ten really good stories and maybe there's a little bit of bad news on them too? We live in a world that wants to present us with all the things that are uh, uh, confusing to us and we have no answers for. But I remember as a kid uh, growing up, I went off to school at five years old and um, I can remember coming home from school. Now, this is without, yeah, I think I lived about mm, maybe one and a half K from the primary school and I'd find a paddle stick pop somewhere and the cars were going up and down Glen Osmond Road and it was full bore with trucks and everything like that. And I've got this little paddle pop stick in one of the other guys' walking home and we decided to put the paddle pop sticks in the gutter because it's pouring with rain. Mum didn't come in a car to collect me or anything like that. Pouring with rain. We've got, this little, we've got this little paddle pop stick race going on for us. That's the important thing. And you're just watching it and if a car goes past and it gets a little bit too much water, oops, you know, you're suddenly drenched. You, you know, it's just, you just did it. You just did it. High school rode to school on my bike. That was about 3k away, and you just did it. I didn't have anyone dropping me off going to the shops in the car. I didn't have a helicopter parent making sure I didn't do anything wrong. It was a different world, wasn't it? We've allowed kids to, in some sense, be uh, cosseted a little bit, I think, and their resilience we hear about in the news is at an all-time low. We think, well, what has that come about from? And I think part of it could be we constantly hear this bad news and we don't have that freedom and joy of life that comes on. 
So it's not only the big situations in the war, of wars and it's in our own lives. We can be people who aren't always at peace. So where do we get a sense? We're looking here uh, today at this part of peace, looking at the second of the Advent series. Uh, Ray spoke about hope last week. And um, uh, I'm looking at peace uh, next week. Uh, Nat will be looking at joy and then Brian will be looking at love. And we're looking at those things that lead up to the coming of Christ. And also we look not only at his birth but his second coming. And they are things to look forward to, aren't they? And things to build ourselves in that makes us feel comfortable. But do we have anything in ourselves that can give us a deep sense of peace? Can, is there anything we can do that can affect us and also then effect a change in us so that just as we live life, we can have that same effect and encourage others to also live the same way? Well, what I hope to look at this morning is what is the uh, peace as it relates to God and how can we change ourselves? Because we can't change the world. We won't, individually, we won't change the world. Uh, we will only have an influence on the people that we have contact with. But how can we change our view and be at peace and have the peace of God with us? And then how can we just live that out and encourage others people to also have that peace in and of themselves? So the first thing I'm going to look at now is what is the peace of God? Um, what is peace in itself? But more so, what is true peace? Where does that come from? Now, it is easy to say, what peace isn't, we, as just like the beginning of the sermon. It's so much easier to say, well, peace is not having wars. And peace is being able to go out into that little part of the forest where I can sit down and I don't have to think about the hassles and the bustle of life, all of those things, and I can get away from that which is frustrating me. So that's peace. But is that really what true peace is? I would like to suggest that true peace is only ever found in the Godhead. It's only found in the Trinity. That's where peace originates. Um, the relationships between the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit is where you will find true peace. That's the only place it will be found. Before God formed his creation, the Father, the Son and the Spirit existed together and cohabited, coexisted in a whole sense of true peace. There was nothing for them to worry about. There wasn't anything around, in one sense, before the creation to worry about, I think. I don't know exactly what was before the creation with God, uh, and I don't think anyone here can correct me, so that's OK. <laughs> um, but, you know, we don't know what it was. But true peace is only found in the Godhead uh, that's its ontological, that's its initial beginning. And so um, there was that peace and there was harmony, there was wellness, and there was even rest in God at that time. There was true rest in God there. But God is sovereign and he is in control overall, so why would he need to worry about anything? There was nothing there to cause him to worry. In fact, um, worry did not exist. So God's will uh, was done in absolute accord with each person of the Trinity. But I'll consider what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. Very well uh, 
known verses, but they speak something about what was the nature of the Godhead when it came to, to us. It says, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. doesn't mention the word peace there, but when Jesus humbled himself, he did that in accord with what was the plan of God. There was no discord in Jesus wanting to do that. He humbled himself and he did that which was a part of the work of the Trinity. Um, the three persons of the Trinity do function together in unity and in peace with each other. So that while there is this, uh, um, sorry for the word, but ontological hierarchy, you know, that which is from the beginning, there is the Father, there is the Son, there is the Holy Spirit. The Son says, I do nothing apart from what the Father tells me, right? He's obedient to the Father. So there's a part of a hierarchy, but it's not an overbearing type of thing. It's an agreeable hierarchy. And the Spirit is the Spirit of the Father and of the Son. Again, there's a different function there. And again, there, the Holy Spirit is under there. So even in this sense of having a, an authority regime, it is not an authority of lording it over, it's the authority of mutual sharing. So there's a peace that lies in the Godhead there too. So um, that you have all this um, accomplishing all things together, that all is good and right, and each is serving each other. So here there is the true sense of peace found. That is true peace, and it's where peace is seen. So we only see that in God himself. Now, after the creation of all things, uh, we're told that everything was very good. That's found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. All creation would have been at peace. And that means in the creation of Adam and Eve, they would have also been at peace with God and with the creation. It was all there. But in Genesis 3, we read of the fall. And suddenly, all of that peace that was there disappeared. It just went. And discord entered the world and peace receded. Peace was shattered, in fact. So there's no longer peace between God and man, no longer peace between man and the creation. We read of the toil, the weeds, uh, the pain in childbirth, and the separation from God occurred. There was a separation so that was no longer was man in that sense of peace. So a whole new circumstance existed. So with the fall, there was the, an inability for creation to work in harmony with man. Therefore, the complete peace of God was lost to it. And consequently, as we go down through all of history, this loss of peace continued. And in its place came anxiety, fear, disease, 
and a loss of wholeness of who we are as people, a loss of safety and a loss of true rest. The word that uh, a lot of Middle Eastern people meet themselves with is the word shalom, and that me- that's a word of peace be with you, but it's also wholeness be with you, goodness be with you. It's all of those things, and that shalom was lost. It's not just peace as in being nice and quiet. It was much broader than that. But there was a plan established by God before the creation was made, and that was to provide a way for the undoing of that loss of peace. When we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, God chose us in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. And then again in Colossians chapter 1, verse uh, 15, it says, Let the peace of Christ, not just the peace of God, here, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. God foreknew what would happen and provided through the birth, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ a way for us to come back in obedience to him and he established a way for the peace of God to come to us through faith in his son. The prophet Isaiah and Ray mentioned this a while ago when we sang that song. One of the names that the one who was to come was to be called the Prince of Peace. We read that in Isaiah 9, verse 6. The Prince of Peace was to come. So, as uh, Jeff read in the reading tonight, when the angels came to those shepherds on the birth night of Christ, what did they say? It says the multitude came and they said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased with that was the declaration that peace was now coming in the birth of Christ peace was now coming to the earth so when we speak of peace there are really three things that we can talk about three aspects we can consider when we do that we can speak of first of all the peace that comes from God Then we can speak about the peace that comes with God. And the third one is the peace of God itself. So I want to take those three aspects and just tease them out briefly so that we can be people who look at peace in our life and saying, I don't actually feel at peace, but can I, even though I don't feel at peace, can I still have peace in my life? So let's look first of all at the peace from God. In John 14, uh, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. And this is a passage that's really well known whenever anyone speaks of peace. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It's not just a thing. It's almost like it's a gift there, isn't it? My peace I, I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Jesus had previously told his disciples in this passage that he would give them the Holy Spirit to be with them forever. And his role would be to have Christ's peace remain among them. That was the Holy Spirit's role. 
Um, the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father in the name of the Son. Again, you have that triune aspect of this peace coming in that sense. And he would call to mind the teachings of Jesus. But the peace would be Jesus' bequests to his disciples and to his people. He would give them his peace, which was the peace that is what the triune had. Jesus, being part of the Godhead, can only give the peace that comes from them too. So if that's the source of peace, that's the source of all peace in one sense. Therefore, regardless of the circumstances that the disciples were going to find themselves in, they would have the same peace that Jesus Christ himself had when he was in all of his circumstances. So the times when he was joyful, he had the peace of God. And the times of his um, uh, conflict with the Pharisees, the time of his persecution, he still had the peace of his father in him. And that's the peace that he is giving to his disciples. So that's the peace that even though they went under persecution and a whole lot of problems, they could still have that deep undergirding peace of God irrespective of the circumstances. Do you get that? It's not a peace that makes you feel good and happy and glad. It's the peace that's so deep that regardless of your circumstances, you can be at rest and at peace in God. Not in yourself, but it's the peace that comes as a gift. So they didn't have to be troubled or fearful in their hearts. That's the disciples. And that also is the situation we can be in too, regardless of our circumstances. So not in the like manner, but in the same manner, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit in us and we also therefore have that same peace, the peace of Christ in us as the disciples had. So whatever our circumstances, we have peace from God to enable us to persist and to know that this peace is a gift and a blessing to us who believe. And that was God's design from the beginning. If you remember back in number six, we have a very... Uh, common benediction we give. It's called the ironic benediction or the ironic blessing. And it's the blessing that God gave to Moses to tell this is what Aaron should pray. And it says the following, and you, a lot of you will just be able to virtually mouth this at the same time. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And give you peace. Part of the Lord's blessing to his people, which includes us who also have faith to believe, is the gift of his peace. That is peace from God. But don't be mistaken. It's not a political or a social uh, peace that we are considering. It does not mean that nothing bad or uncomfortable will ever happen. In fact, we are quite sure it will. It says we will have persecution if we follow Christ. But it is that one that allowed Jesus to remain resolute in all of his circumstances and obedient to his Father in heaven, and that same peace allows us also to remain resolute in what God has for us to go through. We do live in a sinful world. That's nothing. We can't escape that, and there will be consequences. But at all times... We can live in peace, and that comes from God as a gift, and we don't need to be troubled in our hearts or be fearful. 
for God is there with us in those times. Therefore, we can have peace from God. The second one is that we can have peace with God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God is here seen as a blessing that results from our justification by faith in the atoning work of Christ. And this peace comes about because of our new relationship with God. So not only peace from God, it's peace with God because we have been reconciled to God. In uh, uh, Later on in chapter 5 of Romans, it talks about us being reconciled. We have been brought back to God. And so we can be at peace with him. It's not mean we're going to have a quiet and tranquil life, as I've said before, but we will have that peace in ourselves. Uh, we will have opposition as the followers as the followers of Christ, as Christ said we would. In um, John chapter 16 and in verse 33, he says, "These things I have spoken to you so that you may have peace in the world." You will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Being reconciled to God, we can have the peace of Christ in us, irrespective of the fact that we will have troubles. We have been reconciled to God because he has died for our sins. He's gone to the cross and died for us. So as we come to faith by declaring the finished work of Christ in defeating death, and forging for us a way to be brought back to God by repentance and forgiveness of our sins, then we can now have peace with God. We have been reconciled to him. But we, when we come to faith, we are justified, and the blood of Christ does cleanse us from our sin, and we are forgiven people, and so we are at peace with God. We don't have to look over our shoulders and say, is God, what's God going to do to us now because I've mucked it up again? We are reconciled to, to God and we can be at peace with God. That's the key thing. Imagine a child that's broken some precious little ornament and if they break it and they try to cover it up and the parents find out, what's the relationship between the parents to the child then? Compare that to that same child who breaks it and goes up and says, just broken this really I know you love it I've just broken it what's the relationship there it's a different sort of thing the thing's still broken but trying to hide from it and, and not hiding from it gives a different sense of relationship um, the peace that we have been given as a gift uh, we receive is the gift of salvation through Christ and it's our relationship with God that changes everything as to whether there's a peace in the relationship like the child broke, uh, acknowledged or not. There's a peace in the relationship if there's that owning up to what they have done. And it's not going to change the event, but it is going to change how the relationship works. Uh, many of you know Ian Pennycook, and he's uh, written uh, a book. Uh, but he said, when he was talking about peace, he said, peace is ultimately the state of wholeness which is known within the Godhead and into which we are drawn and in which we share. Isn't that interesting? Only peace is found in the Godhead, 
But in our relationship with God, that's into what we are drawn and that is what we share in. We share in that peace through Christ. So that's the peace of God there, isn't it? So we have the peace uh, from God, we have the peace with God, and we have the peace of God that is only found in and of himself. Um, when uh, this peace is shown in our own well-being and our own wholeness and our health and our rest, if we can show that uh, in ourselves and people see that in ourselves, then isn't that one way that we can sort of start to encourage them to be people of peace too? Not that we've got it all together, but as we work in and live in that situation, that's a little bit how it goes. And one of the fruit of the Spirit is also peace, isn't it? That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. And that's really that inward possession of how we should live. And so while we may experience outward conflict, uh, we can have that inner peace because it is Christ's peace given to us by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was to give us that peace of Christ, is not it? That's what it said earlier. So, and that Holy Spirit indwells us. He's there all the time, so we can always have that peace in us if we just allow that. So we can have that peace from God, we can have peace with God, and we can have the peace of God all in us at the same time. Three aspects of, of the peace. Now, I did ask at the, in the introduction... How can we affect change? I think as we um, affect change in ourselves, then how can we effect change in other situations? I think we can, little by little, as we come to be people who understand peace, uh, then again, uh, just reiterating what I said before, show that to others. And if we live that way, they see that, and that is attractive to them, then they can say, what makes you... Now, I hadn't sort of thought of this before, but um, it is Christmas time. And the other day, Pauline said to me, can you get the Christmas tree out of the shed and pull it down and all that sort of stuff? And um, so I got up on, on the bench and got it out. And as I pulled it out, I just went like this. But the top part of it happened to catch a lantern that was also on the top shelf of, of one of the sh- in the shed. And so it just went like this and it just went crash. But it's one of those that have the little mantle in it and it has a little glass thing, German glass sort of thing. And it just went, it just smashed. And I just went like this and saw it fall and gave Pauline the the tree. And she said, aren't you going to react? You've broken our lantern. I said, yeah, it's happened. (laughs) Was I at peace? I think I was, <laughs> and I didn't think I should have worried about it until she said I should be worrying about it. Yeah, um, it's not one of those things, is it? You know, it, it's just something that happened, and what could you do about it? it just happened. You know, peace is a state of mind in one sense, but it's not something we do by meditating and sitting down and and doing that. It's got to be something that is just within you because you know that other some things don't matter as much as other things. There are some things that are just more important. And so, okay, that lantern is now gone, but, you know, it's not the end of the world, is it? It's not a major thing. Um, Also, um, just in finishing off, when one of our daughters, some of you know our our, our kids, and uh, 
our daughter Lisa, she's in Switzerland. When she was baptised at 16, uh, both our girls were baptised on the same day down, in, down on the, uh, at Christie's Beach in the, in, the, in the ocean. We had our church service and then we had the baptism. It was a warm summer's day, so we just went down to the beach and we uh, baptised them down there. But we, for each of the, uh, the girls, we um, gave them a verse of scripture just for their life. And uh, uh, we gave Lisa uh, one and we said, this is a good one to live your life by. And uh, she uh, is now living over there. And when she came home about four years ago, she said, oh, you know that verse you gave me when I was baptised? I really find that an encouragement. And I said, ooh, what verse was that? <laughs> um, it wasn't quite, I did, know, I did know the verse, but I sort of didn't have the whole thing. But she said, oh, this just stood me in such good stead. But it's relevant here, for talking about the peace of God. Because the verse I gave to her was the couple of verses that followed our second reading. It's in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. And those verses say the following. And it really is what Paul is telling us, how do we stay close to God? But it's the last little bit of the verse that's important for this morning. It says, Paul writes, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellent and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. That's a way we can have peace, live a life where our, we, our focus is more on the things of God rather than things that are impinging upon us. But just think of those things that are pure, true, honourable, right, worthy, lovely, of good repute. All of those things are what will give us the peace of Christ in our life. And if we live according to that, then we only have to change ourselves. And then, if people see that, they might say, why are you? How are you living? And that's, it's not a big deal for us to look at ourselves, and we can encourage others in that. So may the peace of God be with all of you too. I should say shalom and amen.